Sometimes you need to turn the power off, let your system rest, and reset yourself. This reset allows you to access clear direction, deep wisdom, greater freedom, and unlimited creativity. No matter your concerns, money, health, relationships, career, or any other life challenge, you have the ability to reset yourself. I'm Franklin Taggart. Welcome to the Reset Podcast. My guest for this episode is financial coach Penny Kidd. After learning to manage her own money, Penny found a new direction, helping people earn more, save more, and rapidly reduce their debt. She shares practical strategies and tools, all while giving her clients persistent nudges toward financial freedom. Sign up for a free discovery session with Penny at pennywisecoaching.com. Welcome, everybody. Um, Franklin Taggart, and uh, on this episode of the Reset Podcast, um, bringing my friend Penny Kidd to you. Uh, Penny is a financial coach, and she works in a, a consulting company called uh, Pennywise Coaching. And pennywisecoaching.com is the website if you want to check that out while you're listening. Uh, welcome, Penny. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Franklin. I'm delighted. To be on. Um, I'm, we've got a lot of stories to tell today, but I wanted to make sure we got to this one first. And that the, the story that I'm interested in hearing right now is... What's the difference between what you do and what a traditional financial planner does? That's a great question. You know, a lot of people hear the word financial. I, I call myself a financial coach, which is actually a fairly new industry out there. Um, and I am not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't sell product. I just help people with the behavior and the day-to-day -day, uh, systems around money management. So, it's definitely more hand-holding and intimate and intense, I think, than most financial advisors. And, and yet I help people create, you know, create a spending plan or the dreaded B word, the budget, but, um, and then hold them accountable, support them, answer questions, connect them with resources, those kind of things as we go along. And in your, uh, in your website literature and things like that, one of the things that you really stress is that you help people with the emotional aspects of managing money. Right. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Um, that that's the intriguing part of what I, what I read on your website. Yeah, you know, money's very emotional. And people are either proud or ashamed or embarrassed or frustrated, you know, all those kind of... Uh, descriptors come in when people think about their money and it's something we all use and very few of us are taught um, about how to do it well and and yet money comes in and money goes out so we're all the same mm -hmm. and so I really help people without judgment deal with whatever numbers they have but to do the best they can with what they have and or encourage them to have more so that they're looking at both sides of what do I have today? What do I want? What are my goals? What are my values? And, you know, sometimes pointing out things that are down the road of making sure that we have enough to take care of ourselves in, into and through old age and, um, and yet reaching some of those goals and those want to's along the way. Wonderful. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, 
like if, if someone was in a situation where they were, uh, their earning didn't match their spending, um, how would you work with a person in that situation? Well, we have two options, right? We have uh, one is to spend less or the other is to make more. So there, there's, it's not really rocket science. I tell people all the time, it's pretty much fifth grade math. <laughs> and so, you know, then it becomes, well, which are you willing to do? You know, are you able to sacrifice some things for now so that you can have the things that you want in the future? Or do you just need to increase your income? Maybe you have skills that you're not thinking that those are resources and assets that you're not tapping into. And it could be everything from dog walking and babysitting to something really you have a talent that the rest of us don't have. And I usually hear that as I'm working with people and get to know them better. Um, you know, there's, there's always a way to, to pick up a second job when you see a reason to do that or to cut some spending when you can see the effects of it. Nobody wants to be deprived of things that, that they enjoy, especially in our American culture, I think. Um, we think we should all have it yesterday and kind of forget that in the generations past, our parents worked a really long time to get what they have. And my concern is that younger generations from me on down are feeling more and more like we should have it all, you know, as soon as we reach adulthood. And sometimes you're sacrificing your future because you have to have it all now. Yeah. I want it all and I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's and I should, I deserve it. The rallying cry of my generation, right? There. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I want them to have it too. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting things. Um, mm -hmm. But just assuming you can have it without having a plan and being able to see how to get there and what you have to do to, to get it so that it's sustainable and that it's solid and healthy instead of something kind of fragile is, is my concern. Among your clients, what are some of the kinds of second jobs that people have found? Oh, good question. Um, delivering pizzas, mm -hmm. um, babysitting. Um, one guy is can clean headlights and, you know, is making some odd money doing that, selling products, selling crafts. Um, it, it, you know, it could be skills from, oh, yeah, I know about computers. I could fix somebody's computer. I can clean it up. Uh, lawn mowing, those kind of things. I mean, it really, it, it runs the gamut about what is their skill set mm -hmm. and how, how motivated are they? There, there are lots of hours in the day, and most of us, if you're only working eight, there's still a fair number of hours that you could be hustling doing something else. Or sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know, you're kind of underemployed. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to go do something else, you know, to, to up your income. Find something that actually fits your skills. Right. Yeah. That you're just not making much and you're not going to. And there's only so much I can do with people in the amount of time that I work with them. Mm -hmm. I tend to, um, my average clients have been with me six months, but they're as as I'm having more success and seeing that sometimes they've moved into different stages of their life, then they may choose to stay with me and um, 
have that accountability and support for longer. Um, but our, our basic time together always starts with a minimum of six months because it takes a while to change a behavior and to learn a new process and um, implement it. So I don't, I started out thinking I could do once in a while or I could do three month packages. And what I realized early on was that's just barely long enough to kind of learn the things that we need to learn, let alone to implement them and be consistent with them. I tell people all the time, you know, the, the, the dancer didn't just get up on stage and start spinning around, you know, she had to learn <laughs> the basic steps and then apply them and practice them over and over and again. And I really think that's what, what good money management is the same way. I would agree. <laughs> and I'm still not very good at it. Doggone well, it. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think people think at a certain age or stage in life, you should have it all figured out. Yeah. And I don't think I'm perfect at it. I'm still learning and growing. And so when you, when you think that there's some number on your, on your driver's license or something that tells you, okay, I should have it all figured out by now. That's just not reality. So I work with people from, we'll say 21 to my oldest client so far is 80. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it really isn't about your age. It's about what do you want and what are your goals and what are you willing to do to get there? My mom's 79 and she's still a part of an investment club mm -hmm. and they're always studying about what's new in the market, what's happening. How that's should cool. I, how should I invest my money now? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's not my skill set. And yeah. I, I have people that I connect with and refer to that I feel like that's their gift. Mm -hmm. And I'm more about helping you find the money to invest, I guess. All right. You know, it would be the day-to-day -day kind of where am I spending it? Where's it going? Is it is more of it staying in my pocket than going to somebody else's? And a lot of people are still struggling with having enough to save for retirement or you know, get to enjoy the things that they want to do, travel, whatever. Um, and they just feel like, oh, I never have enough money. Well, <laughs> that, that's probably true, but it doesn't seem to be um, connected to how much you make. In my experience, yeah. it's been no matter if you make a little or a lot, there's a lot of people out there making what's relatively a lot of money, but they still don't really have anything in the bank. They don't have anything to show for it and they well, may not be investing it. The other simple math that I always find compelling is like, if you make a hundred extra dollars a week, that's over $5,000 a year mm -hmm. uh, added to your income. And, you know, to make a hundred dollars a week extra is not that difficult of a proposition. Exactly. A lot of things that you can do for a hundred dollars a week. And there are things that you could even do that could bring in as much as a thousand dollars a week. And at that point you're talking about possibly replacing your, your career. Right. Uh, um, I'd like to get back to, to your path. Um, you started out as a social worker. I did. I did. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Was that something that you had wanted to do for a long time or was that just kind of a, a, a thing that you found that went, once you got to college that, that worked for you? To become a social worker, um, I honestly think it was a project my senior year of high school where we had to write what do I want to be when I grow up or something. Uh -huh. And my, I think my teacher, my English teacher said 
said the word social worker and I didn't really even know what one was. And so I researched at that point what social workers did. I knew the term psychology and psychologist, but um, once I studied that social work was more, oh, feet on the ground, I guess, kind of helping people than messing around in their head and thinking therapy kind of wise, I, I, I just found that to resonate with me. And I knew I had always been a, uh, a caregiver, uh, a person that helped other people. I was a peer counselor, even in, in high school. And so once I went to school to study social work, I found, I found my home. I found my niche, you know, it never, it never wavered from there. And so I got my bachelor's degree in social work and I worked in a group home for um, adolescents, juvenile delinquents primarily, mm -hmm. and then did that about three years, which was a lifetime. <laughs> and then um, went on to be a caseworker and worked in child protection, started out with adolescent services, and then wound up doing facilitated meetings for uh, the Department of Human Services and family, bringing families together basically to help plan for the needs of their kids and the parents that were in the system. So I was a meeting facilitator and a mediator and did some, you know, kind of crisis counseling for, for kids and, and their parents that would come in. And I did that for 27 years. Wow. So it was a really long time in that world. The turnover is very high. It's a very stressful job. Mm -hmm. um, you lasted a lot longer than I did. Uh, yeah. Were you in social work as well? I was for a while, yeah. Really? Yeah. It was it was pretty unusual to have, have people there that long. But um, you know, it was a it was a good job for people in social work. It's definitely not a field that you go into thinking you're gonna make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So for me, money at the time was that wasn't the driving force. That wasn't why I was there. And and yet the longer you work and the harder you work, you start feeling like, well, I should be compensated for what I'm doing and the reality in our generation right now anyway is that they're they're just not super compensated and um, when I started kind of my own personal path on my own finances that eventually led me into seeing a door out to something else and that's how I became a financial coach so tell me a little bit about the idea for financial coaching. I mean, after 27 years of social work and then through your own financial, you know, exercises and, mm -hmm. and learning, you all of a sudden recognize that there's an opportunity. Can you talk a little bit about what that recognition was like? Yeah, I think it wasn't even an all of a sudden recognition. It was definitely a slow, slow growth, but, um, my own personal path to, which I guess is kind of relevant to getting my finances in order was, was generated from a girlfriend of mine at work that was a caseworker and said, Hey, will you come help me with my money? You seem really good with yours. And we're always living paycheck to paycheck. And I said, well, I don't know that I'm really good with my money, but I pay my bills and I balance my checkbook. And she said, well, that's more than I'm doing. <laughs> and just come help me. And so I sat at her kitchen table and we went through things like, how much do you pay for this? How much do you pay for that? What do you owe on this? And most of the answers she had were, I don't know. I don't know. And so I'd say, well, go find out. I'll sit here and wait. So <laughs> I had all mine in Quicken. And so mine was all very 
you know, organized. And that's why she thought I was good with my money because I would talk about that. And I probably talked about interest rates or credit cards or something. I knew probably a little more than your average social worker. Social work and money and numbers don't always, you know, collide. So I think people thought I was an, an anomaly anyway. Um, so we um, just were going to start getting together. And I had just recently heard about a guy named Dave Ramsey on the radio. And um, I don't even know where I first heard about him, Oprah or somebody probably interviewed him. And um, I decided we should read his book. And she said, I don't have time to read a book. I got two babies under three and two teenagers. And, you know, we work 50, 60 hours a week. When am I going to read a book? And I said, okay, well, I'm not a great book reader either, but let me read the book and I'll be your cliff notes and we'll be accountability buddies because we want to do this, right? So, um, cause I, you know, I drove home that night knowing she had roughly probably at that point, we'd figured out maybe $40,000 worth of debt. And I was kind of, you know, self-righteous. And then I started thinking, I wonder how much debt I have because I knew it was all in Quicken, but I couldn't bring up a number in my head. And so when I went home and added up all the various accounts, we had almost $30,000 worth of debt. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's why I decided we should be accountability buddies and we should do this. So she and I met, I think two more times. And then unfortunately she was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Oh no. Yeah. It really rocked my world. And her husband was in the car and he suffered a traumatic brain injury. And you know, here's four little kids left with really no parents for a while. Mm -hmm. And I went home to my husband and said, we have to get our act cleaned up because that can be us. How do I know that's not going to be me tomorrow? She was 42 years old. And, you know, we talked about things like life insurance and car payments. And I remember her saying, Oh, everybody has a car payment. That's just a way of life. And after she died, I thought, I don't want to be everybody. I want to be different. <laughs> and if that's what everybody's doing, I got to find some new people. So um, I started on the, the Dave Ramsey program, more or less, you know, I like to say, I, you know, I didn't ever do it a hundred percent, but I learned a lot from him and his teachings and some of it I couldn't do because of where I worked. And um, some of it I just didn't agree with, but I felt like, you know, I used to go to AA meetings and they would say, take what you like and leave the rest. <laughs> and so that's sort of always been my philosophy in life. And so um, my, I kind of started alone. And then a couple years later, they offered the Financial Peace University course at our church. And that's when I got my husband on board. And I said, you just got to come with me. I just can't seem to figure out any, you know, I can't take that next plunge. I could not figure out how to get the budget done. Mm -hmm. I knew how to pay the bills and I knew about interest rates and all that basic stuff, but we weren't proactively planning a budget. And so once he got on board with me, he um, helped create an Excel spreadsheet. We did the budgeting together and we started discussing it and having conversations about money and really turned the needle to the point that we paid off um, almost $30,000 of consumer debt plus funded some things along the way wow. and then paid our house off in 2013. So that's wow. when people started coming to me saying, how'd you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who has a paid for house at 47 years old or whatever I was. And so, um, I was like, yeah, I don't, and I wouldn't buy a new car and I wouldn't have a car payment and I got the credit cards behind us. And, you know, 
then our next big goal was to get kids out of college without student loan debt. So I'm proud to say I graduated my daughter last year with no student loans and I have a son that'll be a junior this year. And that's our next big project is to get two kids out of school without student loans and to make choices along the way. Right. You should have thousands of people like knocking at your door after hearing just that statement alone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's such a huge, it's the new, you know, I don't know. It's not that new, but it's, it's the big crisis in our society right now. And it's all going to come home to roost. And if we don't start parenting and saying 18 year olds really don't have any business making all these decisions and signing on the dotted line um, for a debt that they don't really understand how big it is. Mm -hmm. I, I watched an interesting documentary probably about a year and a half ago about the student loan crisis. And, uh, one guy in there said something like, you know, we take 18 year olds who don't know how to do their laundry and ask them to sign up for 40 or $60,000 of student loans. And there's something wrong with that picture that mm-hmm. we don't understand how much that is and how hard you have to work to pay that off. Because we all think we're going to come out of school and make a hundred thousand dollars the first year. Right. Yeah. And it just, that's not what, that's not what I'm finding for most, most degrees. Right. And and since I've been doing financial coaching, I've met a ton of really awesome people that are so stressed and so burdened by their debt that it's crippling. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I think we need to learn how to figure out ways for education and life that don't necessarily include Hawk in our whole future. So, cool. so yeah, that's kind of the long story to how I decided to get my own self out of debt with my husband's help an assistant. Then once I decided maybe there were other people that wanted help as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually was considering doing another type of social work, facilitating meetings for seniors because I guess part of another part of my money story is that my mom had mentioned to me that she was mad at her CPA because she could run out of money. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how much do you have? You know, it's not your CPA's fault. He just does your taxes. And she, you know, she was elderly and starting to slip a little bit. And as we start looking into the, to the nitty gritty, I find that, yeah, you're right, mom, at what you're pulling out, you've got 15 months, I think, left of money at that time. Mm-hmm. And her idea was, well, I have a paid for house and I have a long-term care policy, so I'll be fine. I said, well, great. Well, what are you doing with $1,500 a month then? You know, it costs more than that to live just to pay for the insurances and the medical bills. I really think a lot of it was going from her IRA to doctors and hospitals and whatever. And, you know, so I looked at the long-term care policy and figured out she had a 90-day deductible. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Where are we going to come up with that money if you run out of what little savings you have left? So, you know, all of that journey kind of lit a fire underneath me to say, I don't, I don't want to leave my kids like that either, you know? So, um, those all kind of collided about the time that I decided to start my business. And Mm -hmm. when somebody told me, Oh yeah, I've read that Dave Ramsey book. I can't apply it because my situation's different. I thought I could teach you how to do this. I know you're different, but aren't we all different? Money comes in and money goes out. So therefore we're all the same. (laughs) And I don't understand how, you know, your situation makes you different. So, and and the first meeting with her was, wow, you really get me. You're, you know, cause I'm pushing on things like, why are we 
buying more clothes when you can't afford the storage unit and mm -hmm. you're, you know, darn near suicidal because of your debt, but you're bringing more things in. And I realized it was very much like what I was doing in social work. It was behavior mm -hmm. and, and, and needing support and accountability. It wasn't, you know, so many financial planners and I love them. I mean, they, they definitely are serving a need, mm -hmm. but our fear, I think in general is that they're selling us something that's going to line their pocket. And so they have a vested interest in what they're saying. I don't necessarily agree with that today, but I know that's what people's fear is when, when your financial guys saying, Oh, buy this or do that because you're going to make a million dollars, but they don't really, they're not there for you when the car breaks or the, um, kids need shoes, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I really break it down into the simpler stages of what are you going to do with your paycheck today? Now, oh, much more practical. Yeah. 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 How, how far has it got to go? What do you need? What's, what's a have to, what's a want to, let's get a little joy in your life, but not, you know, to the extent that you're sacrificing your future. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked a lot before about the power of budgets, and uh, I think that that's one of the things that I hear in your, uh, in your line of thought that's a lot different from the other financial things that I've read, particularly Dave Ramsey. His is all about getting that debt down um, and getting free of it, and then right. at that point, you've got a lot more leeway to, to act, but um, it sounds like to me that you're actually on uh, a, a much more practical level of um, what's coming in and how are you spending it. and. Um, I'm kind of curious if people want help with a budget, for instance, what's the first thing that you would help them with? I think the first thing is knowing, well, I guess they're kind of twofold, but knowing how much you make, mm -hmm. how much is coming in. And a lot of people will tell me, well, I can't do a budget because I have an irregular income. I make commission or I work hourly. And so I can't do a budget and, and those don't work. And I get that, that that's really, it's kind of feels complicated, but when you break it down into per paycheck, it's not that complicated. You're probably getting paid once a week at least, right? Mm -hmm. I suppose there's the random people that get paid on per job or something, but then you got to at least clump it together by the week or maybe it's bi-weekly, maybe it's bi-monthly or it's monthly. And so when we lay it out for people we look at, you know, what's your income coming in and where are your bills over the course of the month? Because most of our bills are once a month, but our income could be twice or three or four times a month, right? Sometimes yeah. even five. And so that's the kind of detail that I go into and kind of create a custom system for them mm -hmm. and a budget that says, okay, where's it coming in and when is it due to go out so that it's on time? And we have at least the minimums paid for, and we're starting to save for things that come up irregularly. Yep. And so the first thing I think is to know how much you make. And then the second thing is to know how much you owe. What are those bills? What are the due dates? Uh, what are the debt? A lot of people have gotten so overwhelmed. They don't even look at the balance anymore. They yeah. don't get the statements and they don't <laughs> open the emails. And so, some of it is, I just tell people, I'm kind of like a flashlight. I'm going to shine the light on your situation mm -hmm. and then we'll figure out where to go from there. But if you don't know the what's there, it's really overwhelming. 
Well, it sounds like that you dole out a, a, a dose of compassion with your work, and I appreciate that. I think you're, you you come into it without a whole lot of judgment. You just come into it with, let's look at the reality and let's deal with what's real. I love that. Um, Thanks. It, it's, we could go on for hours, Penny. I love talking with you, and you always have such wonderful insights. Um, I, want to do, I want to direct people to your website, pennywisecoaching.com. Um, I'm wondering if you ever have any backlash from having it named after a character in a Stephen King novel. <laughs> a little. <laughs> I was really kind of bummed last year, whenever that was, that they made, remade the movie because yeah. I don't watch those things, so I didn't even know who it was at the time that I um, that I made my name. And people will ask me sometimes, "Is Penny really your name?" Like, yeah, <laughs> it's really my name. It just took me a really long time to figure out I should do something that related to my name. Well, you're reclaiming um, it. That's right. And so, I, I, you know, I've gotten a few prank calls from some kids who have nothing better to do and ask if this is Pennywise and if I'm the clown. And I just have fun with it. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping Pennywise coaching will become much more popular than. Pennywise the Clown, the scary so clown too. from Stephen King. <laughs> well, a couple of the things I wanted to mention, to, you've got a lot of videos that you've been doing on Facebook Live that are on your uh, Facebook page, uh, Pennywise Coaching Facebook. Right. Um, we'll put a link in the description for that. And then you're, you also have a YouTube channel, and you've I got do. some videos up there. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, one, one of the things that you complained about before we talked was that um, – you, you've got so many ideas and so little time. In fact, we met at the, or we didn't meet, but we talked at the podcasting workshop um, and you had considered possibly doing a podcast. Uh, I, yeah. I learned a lot from you about that. And I thought, you know, that's, that's certainly another way for me to give back to people and to hopefully share that. And I feel like I've really become a student of money since I decided to teach money management, you know, um, I'm learning a lot as I go. And so I love sharing that with other people and pointing out things that maybe we haven't looked at or have forgotten or never learned about money. One of the most kind of fascinating things when I'm working with people is that they don't understand compound interest. And so they can have a credit card it's really common, and I I don't know what the max is. I thought it was 29.9%, but then I had somebody have a 34% interest rate on a card. So whatever the max is, you know, they keep moving it up, I'm sure. But you don't realize how much you're paying for that thing you bought on sale and you had to put it on your credit card, mm -hmm. you know. And so I'll run the numbers real quick for people and say, this is what you could be, you know, you're paying in interest if you only pay the minimums. Here's what you could be earning if we can just get it in with a financial advisor that can earn you some, mm -hmm. you know, rate, rate of return. So a lot of it is just knowledge. And so with my, with my videos and, you know, blogs and things like that, that I'm doing a little bit of everything is just really with the intention to try to hopefully share something that I found interesting or, um, that I see it as a common thread among people that, wow, there's there's some gaps in our collective knowledge and reminding people to take a look at their own situation. Mm -hmm. If people want to work with you, you offer both individual and group coaching or just individual at this time? Individual at this time, but I'm ready. Hopefully by September, I'll be launching a group coaching as well. Okay. And you know, that will be virtual probably through Zoom. And so I can, I can work with people, which my 
individual coaching is virtual as well as locally in Northern Colorado. Um, I'm starting to expand across the U.S., which is fun because I found that I, with the technology that we have today, uh, I can talk with them as easily over the phone or the Internet and have our, our communication go online as much as we do face-to-face. -face. So, yeah, I, I have various options for people to move the needle and if they're just at a place where they want to do it themselves then hopefully they'll follow along on the Facebook page or join my e-newsletter or something to get some you know jabs and motivation to kind of continue that but typically the people I work with are people that are ready to do it quickly and they're tired of kind of spinning around and they realize they've been trying to do it on their own for a really long time but they're just not making the progress they want because my average client is probably having a ten to $15,000 turnaround just in the three to six months that we're working together mm -hmm. because they start getting real intentional with their money. So it goes a lot quicker than when I was trying to figure it out myself. You know, <laughs> there's something to be said to having somebody who's been there, done that. And I think outside of your situation, I think the benefit of a financial coach is it's not my money. It's not my story. So I can point out things. It's your money, your decision. It's I'm not handling your money. I'm not looking at your bank account. I'm really just taking the information you have and the goals you've told me and feeding them back to you to say, all right, well, have you thought about this or could we do this differently to move the needle faster? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to say that our time's reaching an end, Penny, but I am just delighted that we had a chance to talk and I hope that uh, many people hear this and come looking for you. Um, you do offer a, a, just an amazing and wonderful service. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes down the pike from you in, in the not-too-distant future. I really um, appreciate it. One more time, PennyWiseCoaching.com is the website. Pennywise Coaching on Facebook. And I'm assuming it's the same on YouTube? Yes. We'll make sure I think it might be Penny Kid. I'll have to look. You know, it's funny how you open it and put it on there, but um, I'm pretty sure if you if you put in Pennywise Coaching, you're going to find it. So we can put the link in the notes if that if that's okay with you. We'll and also, Franklin, I'd love to offer the opportunity to any of your listeners if they want to speak with me. I'll offer a free 45 minute discovery session mm -hmm. that we can chat one on one and kind of hear a little bit more about their story and what they're looking for, and offer some tips during that time as well. I'm sure, you know, it's like you've just given a, a wealth of information in the 45 minutes that we've been talking. Well, not even that. I don't even think. I, yeah. And so, folks, you've got an idea already of the value that you're going to get in a 45-minute talk with Penny. And I would encourage you to take her up on that offer. Thanks. So, um, Thank you, Penny, again. And um, we will uh, look forward to hearing more from you in the, in the future. Great. Um, Thanks for having me, Franklin. It's been really fun. A delight. Thanks for taking the time to listen to, subscribe, and review The Reset Podcast. The Reset Podcast features interviews, insights, and in-depth reflections that will help you navigate your own reset. Do you have a story to share about a reset you've experienced? If you'd like to be a guest or share an idea for a topic you'd like to hear about, please contact podcast at franklintaggart.com. Reset Podcast interviews are recorded with Zoom. If you haven't tried Zoom video conferencing software, please click the link in the show description and sign up for your free trial now. You won't be disappointed. 
More information about this show and guests is available now at franklintaggart.com. The Reset Podcast is a production of Franklin Taggart and Make Your Own Way Media. All rights reserved. <laughs>